Blog Talk Radio. In a country barely towards a crucial election while facing a pandemic, a liar in chief, fake news, and murder hornets, this is the last 100 days. Hello, everybody. We are on day 83 on the countdown to the 2020 election. I am your host, Scott Fullerton. Joining me as every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, Mr. Michael Vega. How are you doing, sir? I am doing well, Scott. How are you? Good. We are talking off air, and the radio show started without us. How rude. I thought that was just a nice of it. I, 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 I kept talking, of course, because that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't there get a response, go. and I thought, well, like, what, what did I say? Did I get kicked off Facebook again? What's going on? Oh, I got to tell you, it was so funny. On my uh, entertainment show the other night, I had mm-hmm. uh, my buddy Jason Stewart and Mitch Hara on that are both funnier than hell, right? And they have a new yeah, web Jason. series on Amazon going right now called Smothered. They play uh, – a gay couple relationship over the years. And they're each, ep- each little mini episode is with a different therapist. And it's funny as hell, but those guys <laughs> talk a mile a minute. I could not get a word in edgewise. They're rapid firing. I'll, I'll say one thing and they'll rapid fire for like 15, 20 minutes. And so eventually like 10 minutes into their conversation, the phone just, their phone just dropped and died. They didn't realize that for 12 <laughs> minutes they were talking so much. They didn't call back in for 12 minutes. I was playing songs. It was just crazy. Crazy time. Oh, my God. It's a little panic attack right there. There you go. What did you call Well, dude, we are 83 days away from this election. It is Wednesday, August 12th. We have a VP nominee now for the Democratic side. Woohoo! How are you doing? How am I doing? Oh, with, with with that, okay. Um, you know, like I said, I, I'm fine with it. You know what? What? Uh, I, it's neither. I I'm trying to be very careful about what I say because I, I I feel like what I think right now about it is sort of irrelevant. She's the nominee, and you know, arguing about uh, her accountability or responsibility right now is completely irrelevant. You know, we can we can move upon that on November fourth. Right. That's you, you know, know that's hold- the best attitude to have. I think that's a hundred percent right. Um, I'm already in like a little um Instagram fight with somebody over it that oh I can't vote for Kamala Harris. It's like, well, A, you're yes, voting you for Joe Biden. You're not voting for for Kamala Harris. B if you're not voting for Joe Biden, then you're voting for Donald Trump, no matter what you do. And, and see, you just know, get over yourself. If you don't, if you're not happy with something, change it when they get in office. You are voting for so many new cabinet positions. You're voting for uh, Ruth Bader's, uh, you know, her her replacement. You're voting for so much more than you know the figurehead that you that you know that people are becoming just just singularly focused right. on. It's it's much bigger than that one person you don't like. 
And as I was saying to somebody earlier about uh, about Kamala, you know, I I I I got their points. I understood. I you know I agree with a lot of what they said. But I told them, I said, you know, the roof is caving in. The roof is caving in, and you're talking about a pipe leak. You know, before we address the pipe leak, we have to fix the roof. Fix the roof, and then we can hold that pipe leak balls to the wall on November 4th. Right. And if if she runs in four years, if Joe decides not to run in four years, which he probably won't, and you okay. don't like it, then you can do, then you can find another candidate if you want to find another candidate in four years. But uh, just get us through these last eighty-two days, because, like you said, man, it's it's if he wins again, it's going to be crazy. It's already going to be a tough election. I have a feeling he's going to challenge about ten states' votes to kind of hold stuff up for a while, mm-hmm. and I think that just brings even more important the Senate into play. Because that's one thing he won't be able to do. He can maybe challenge the elections for presidential, but he can't challenge the down-ballot races. So we have to flip the Senate, and we have to keep the House no matter what, just in Absolutely. case I, this guy gets in again, which there's still a possibility yeah, he can. It's not a done deal that he's not going to get reelected. So A lot of people I speak to, I just I don't think some understand the severity of the situation. That our, our right. democracy is, you know, is in danger. That if he gets four more years, you can just kiss your, you can kiss all your freedoms goodbye. Right. And I, you know, it's, I believe, no, I mean, you know, I believe, take a strong stance on, on whatever you like, but, but recognize what the priorities are. And getting him out of office is the priority. Exactly. And we're not, we're not fighting to win back the Supreme Court. We're, we're fighting to maintain the balance because all of the older justices are on the Democratic side. So we're just kind of replacing the bench, basically. We're not there. We can't overtake any majority on there anytime soon. So it's mm-hmm. like it's imperative that we pick the next justices or else the court is going to be ruling extremely conservative for the next 30 something years. Everyone in there is really young. When you look at the ages yeah. of the people he's appointed in there, I mean, Kavanaugh and Ito and stuff are like 50s, maybe. Like, well, they could be there for another I mean, forever. I mean, everything I've been reading, you know, especially in the, in the past 24 hours on social media and what have you, is, you know, we're doing the right work for them by continuing to fight amongst ourselves about, you know, right. the, the particulars right now. You know, as long as we remain fighting, you know, the right has solidarity in, in their mutual hatred of everything that's not them. You know, they're, they're, they're solid. That, that's their mission. Just don't have us. So if, if right, we can't right. unite on, in, on some common ground just to, fix, just to fix it, and then we can start from scratch, you know, I, again, I just don't think some people understand the severity of what's going on. There you go. Hey, before we get too far into the show, because in about eight minutes here, we have a special guest coming on tonight, guys. We have from Georgia, her name is Kim Jackson. She's the Democratic nominee for the 41st Senate District in Georgia. She's an LGBTQ community member, and we're excited to talk to her. So that's going to be coming up, just so you guys know, right around uh, 515, 815 Eastern time here. 
So that'll be happening, and we'll try to catch as much news as we can, but we're going to have her on for a bit and talk about Georgia. Georgia's a very interesting state um, with that Kemp guy as our governor and everything, so we'll talk to her in just a little bit just so you guys all know what's going on today. Did you happen to see any of the Kamala and uh, Joe press conference today, their first time together? No, no, I, I have it. I have it queued, but uh, I have not seen it yet. I, it was, yeah, I was, it was good. Busy, they... Go ahead. I was too busy running around here singing the Hamilton soundtrack, and then I lost track of time. So you know, it happened. Nice. There, there, <laughs> that's a good use of your time, though. I like that use of your time. Um, you know, it was actually. It's uneventful. It's very weird. I mean, everything is weird without an audience, <laughs> right? So when you announce when when you have this big announcement in a big high school auditorium with nobody there and nobody clapping oh. for anything, it's a little unusual. But uh, it was great. I mean, I thought they did good. Um, Joe spent most of his time praising um, Kamala, which is usually the other way around, and she did the same to him. But um, it's going to be interesting. I think they they showed a good chemistry on there for social distance little school auditorium um she kind of went on the attack on trump already which is probably going to be her primary responsibility being the attack dog that's what vice presidents usually do in these situations uh and i think she's poised for it i mean she's an excellent debater i think she's going to shred Mm. mike pence in october that's going to be fun to watch so yeah i I, I, i'm putting i'm putting money on him calling for mother by the end of the debate (laughs) <laughs> right, I know. Well, I, I said that yesterday. It's like he is so he doesn't want to eat dinner alone with a woman somewhere. Can you imagine? There's only two on the debate stage, and he's alone with this woman. What's he going to do? I don't know how his. I mean, Indiana sensibilities I mean, can handle it. What do you think about you know? Because obviously he's going to go. He's going to go for the jugular in what. When you know when they were in the uh, presidential primaries, what she went after Biden about. So I feel like that's going to be their, that's going to be kind of their angle. Like, look at you as a debate. Right. Look at how much you disagreed. How can you agree now? Yeah, it's going to be interesting because that's one of the things that's come out of this. I mean, they obviously knew who the candidates were. I think they were ready for anyone he announced, right? Because mm-hmm. twenty minutes out. Of after the announcement yesterday, the first attack ad went out. And while everyone mm-hmm. thought it was going to be for Kamala, her attacking Biden on his uh, school segregation and everything, it was actually against her flip-flopping on health care. 20 minutes after she was announced, mm-hmm. like she flip-flopped totally on Medicare for all, and they're trying to put a wedge against the progressives. So they've, they've been trying, and they've done like six different messages since yesterday. So It'll be interesting to see what they stick with for the thing. If it's going to be that calling her out for her calling Joe's racism out against the uh, black vote, or if they're going to be mm-hmm. on her healthcare flip flop, or what they're going to do, um, it's it's going to be all out war. That's for sure. I mean, the pre- the Republicans have never played nice. They 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 oh, shoot low. So. so it's going to be uh, interesting. I mean. God bless Michelle Obama. They go low, we go high. There's going to be a lot of high jumping around there while they're down in the muck. So it's going to be interesting. Well, I ended a conversation uh, earlier with 
uh, a gentleman who I ended it at the point where he insisted that uh, Kamala had internalized racism. <laughs> that was just the, the, at the point. The point I was okay. We now we now we're not even you know speaking logically. Right. Not even speaking as two equals here. Now you're just you know now you're just going to the little digs. And exactly. Nope. That's the whole thing. Well, they were saying, oh, she's going to defund the police. She's not going to. She's she's against the police. Blah blah. Then then and two shows later, it's like she was a horrible. Uh, she she was the hardest cop there was, and she was when she was district uh, attorney or attorney general for California. She put away people left, right, and center. It's like, well, which is it? She's soft on crime or she's tough on crime? Make up your mind. Yeah. Which is it going to be? I mean, she does have well, something to answer for there. That'll be interesting to see how Absolutely. that plays out. I hope she does answer that soon. I've been out of California politics for a long time, being banished here in Northeast Ohio. So I don't know all of what she's done. Um, some of it was troubling verbally, but you never know what they're saying, what's behind it. So I'm, I'm looking forward to her kind of airing what what's the truth and what she's uh, dug in on and what she's changed her opinion on. That's all going to be interesting, and that's all fair game. We'll see how that yeah, plays and out. Yeah, one thing I've heard a lot is, you know, her stance on uh, legalized marijuana here in California, that, that has tr- that's troubled a lot of people I've been uh, speaking to. Um, right. So, you know, how is she, you know, what's her position on it now, you know, because it does generate so much, <laughs> so much uh, money. Um, right. So it'll be interesting to see where she goes with that and how, how she, you know, what her stance is now. Exactly. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. We'll see what happens there because, I, I mean, she does have to talk about her uh, her issues, that's for sure, and I'm looking kind of forward to it. But uh, mm-hmm. I still think she's going to run circles in the debate around Pence. I think that's just going to be fun to watch. And they know that, so I'm very curious as to see how they're going to try to counter that you know there, there's going to have to be some sort of tactic to to account for that because he can't he, he can't take her one on one he's just gonna he's gonna have to have some sort of you know ace in his pocket right no exactly it'll be interesting to see like you said they're probably gearing up lots of attack ads but as of now they don't really have a coherent message so it's going to be interesting to see how they go about it I forgot. Does Penn speak? I mean, it's been so long. I just <laughs> will he be allowed? Well, speaking... Yeah, I mean, ever since he's, he hasn't been allowed on the task force, wasn't he in charge of the task force? And now um, yeah. Trump's doing all of the press conferences now. Biden or uh, Pence is nowhere to be seen in those things. Will he? I mean, uh, is no. he going to get a new hand up his ass to animate him? Or I, you know, I, I'm just <laughs> fascinated to find out. There you go. It's going to be very interesting. That is Maybe Mother sure. will be up there helping him. You you can only hope. You can only hope. I mean, just LGBT oh, rights alone, she is going to wipe the floor with him. Because she, uh, she is so pro-LGBT rights. And Pence, as we know, is not. <laughs> but let's go ahead and take a break because I, yeah. I see our guests calling in. So we're going to take a real quick break, play a little bit of Brian Justin Crum Bright. And when we come back, we're excited to have joining us the Democratic Party nominee for the 41st Senate District of the great state of Georgia. So you're listening to the Last 100 Days podcast. We'll be back in just a couple moments. 
Being bright means getting to be my authentic self, getting to live my truth, feeling empowered, and helping to empower others. Take a risk, lose it all, ain't it strange how you come apart? Chip away, ride it out, you did your best to watch it come down. But you can catch lightning in battle, so reach up. been a long journey to actually fall in love with the person I am. Out there somewhere, there are little girls and boys that look like me that don't have anyone to look up to. I am happily living in my truth. Finding your passion and connecting to people, that's how I stay bright. Alrighty, guys, we are back. That was the amazing Brian Justin Crum from Broadway and America's Got Talent with Bright. Guys, uh, speaking of bright, the future for our next guest hopefully is extremely bright. As I said, she is running as the Democratic Party nominee for the 41st Senate District of the great state of Georgia. From the South, she's made Georgia her home for over 10 years now. She's married to her wife, Trina, lives on a hobby farm with a bevy of animals. 
And oh yeah, at 35, she's an ordained priest currently serving as vicar in the Episcopal Church. Y'all need to learn more about this remarkable woman, so please welcome to the show, Miss Kim Jackson. Kim, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on. Welcome. We are excited to have you. Congratulations on this uh, great run. I mean, you, you did so awesome in the primaries here, and now we are the Democratic nominee for Senate seat in Georgia. That's pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, I'm super excited and thrilled. And uh, I was telling my campaign treasurer today, yesterday was the runoff for the primaries, and I was so grateful not to be in a runoff. Um, it was really <laughs> wonderful surprise to be able to carry it out in the original primary and not have to run off. Well, of course. And the congratulations margin of your win was incredible. Uh, say that again? Yeah, exactly. I said the margin of your win was incredible. I was just looking at the numbers. and <laughs> Yeah, we were um, blown away. And, and in Georgia, you kn- we knew early on that I was going to have the plurality of votes. Um, we kind of knew that pretty early on. But in Georgia, you have to have 50% plus one vote. And so it took us eight days to get over the 49% mark uh, because it just took a oh, long time wow. for them to count all the absentee ballots. Wow. That is frustrating. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, let's start off, I mean, with with just the news of the day. Of course, we got Kamala Harris, as Joe uh, Biden's running mate, announced yesterday. They did their first presser today. Um, she is amazing for LGBT rights. You're an LGBT candidate, black woman running in Georgia. How kind of inspiring is that win? And what are you kind of looking for her bringing to the ticket? Yeah, I mean, it's super exciting and encouraging to see a black woman, a black and Asian woman at the top of the ticket in this way. Uh, You know, I think about when I was a little girl and just kind of imagining what my future might look like, it was impossible, quite frankly, to imagine ever being vice president or president or, you know, even on the Senate because there was nobody who looked like me. And so I'm very, very optimistic and hopeful and excited for all the little black and brown girls who, you know, are looking at the TV and seeing this woman who looks like them. Um, And I I just, like, I feel like there's so much great hope in that, and I'm inspired and encouraged. So I think that's going to be huge. Um, And it'll just be such a breath of fresh air to have a woman helping to lead our country. Michael, you have I love, I, you know, oh, you, you just got me all choked up, and here I am. My mascara is running and everything. When you speak of representation, you know, I, you know, I'm a Latin man, come from a Latin family, but my my sister's been married to a wonderful black man for uh, I think 15 years now. They've been together probably like 25, and so when I think about my my nieces and nephews, and now my two uh, uh, great nieces, you know, Kaylee's is, is about six. You know, I can't help but think what it's like for them to, to see, you know, somebody in that position, you know, somebody like them, somebody that looks like them. And I make every effort, every time I see something very important that, you know, the little ones should see, I send it to them. And they just tell my mother and my sister, you have to share this with them. They need, it's important they see themselves in, in, in every aspect of, of you know, of of government of the of the world of everything. I'm sorry, I'm a little I'm a little verklempt, but that's that's all I wanted to say. Thank you. 
Yeah. No, thank you. And and you say that um, you didn't really expect to see anyone like you in this position, but I think I was wa- reading your bio or watching one of your videos, and you kind of knew at 13 years old you were going to be running for elected office someday. Is that true? I did, yeah. And so the reason why I knew it was possible was because I went to the city council meeting in which we had elected our first black mayor. And so there was a black, he was a man, but he was a black person who was sitting in the middle of that, you know, dais, and he was the mayor. He had the gavel. Um, and so I, you know, saw that. I saw my, my own skin color reflected in that and knew that that was possible. And then I also heard the proceedings and was just like, I had that light bulb moment of, oh, my gosh, elected office is the place where we can make positive change in the world. And so, yeah, yeah at 13, all that kind of coalesced together for me in that meeting. That is amazing. I love that. And, I mean, speaking of service, you come from such that background. Talk about your background. Your mom was a nurse and a nurse professor. Uh, your dad worked for uh, child services, I think, or a social worker. So talk about where that service got ingrained in you, I'm sure, from your parents early on. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, my parents were both in the helping um, helping services, and so – I think some of my earlier memories, my mother was a nurse. She was a community nurse, so, and um, she was specifically a community nurse who helped care for children who were living with sickle cell disease in rural South Carolina. And so I have these early memories of getting in the car and going with my mom out to the peach sheds. I mean, this is the kind of place that I'm from, right? And we would go to these essentially shacks. Um, where there were little black kids who were living with sickle cell disease, and I would watch her, you know, take their stats and see how they were managing the disease and things like that. Um, but wow. so it was this interesting exposure to both, like, poverty and, and an extreme, like, rural poverty with no indoor running water um, and also this exposure to, like, what it means to advocate and be compassionate and really to work and fight for and on behalf of those folks who are most marginalized, right? And so I have right. wonderful memories of making those journeys with my mom and 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 seeing her do community nursing live and in person. Um, and then certainly from my dad, and he was a social worker and worked in child protective services. And so um, every Christmas we actually went to what – what I think, like, what historically we called an orphanage, what now we would call, like, a children's home. We don't call them orphanages right. anymore. Right. But, but for Christmas, we would go and babysit um, the kids who live in the children's home so that the regular staff could have a day off to be with their families. And, you know, that just that memory of doing that for years is just such a part of who I am and I think also it's one of the things that has compelled me to want to fight and advocate for children who find themselves not having the provisions that they need in the world. Right. I bet. That is so awesome, though, that you're able to carry on that tradition of service. And talk about, I love, um, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of of two minds. I think we're still early up and on early enough in it that we need to, to praise you being an LGBTQ uh, person running for office, but I'm hoping to get over that sometime soon, that you're just a person running for office, right? Talk to me yeah. about um, 
having to integrate those things into your campaign. Have you found that easy? Have you found that a non-issue? How's it been in your area? Yeah, so Scott, this is so fascinating. Um, When I decided to run, I assumed that, you know, given that's 2020, that there had been other LGBTQ senators in Georgia. I don't know why I assumed that because I <laughs> it's Georgia, <laughs> so perhaps right. I should not have. Uh, but originally when we launched the campaign, um, we had no idea that this was going to be a historic campaign, that I would be the first LGBTQ senator. Like that was not on our list of, of first um, that we thought. And so that was a an, an interesting surprise. I think I'm with you. Like it's kind of sad that this is the first and it's 2020. Um, right. But nonetheless you know, representation matters. But also, I mean, this has been, it has been kind of a tricky thing. So I'm in a majority African-American district, um, but also a highly religious district. So a significant portion of my constituents are um, either Christian or Muslim and deeply, I would say Mm. deeply devoted um, as Christians and Muslims. So early on, we weren't sure that my district would be willing to elect an out black lesbian priest and so in that first the first two months or so before I kind of publicly came out we actually paid and had a poll run in my district and asked constituents that specific question um, before you know we put all the time and energy and money into running and you know I I was really happy to get poll results that says yes this is possible like People aren't real oh, about nice. it, right? Like, I don't think that the right. majority of the constituents around here are being like, yay, we elected the first gay senator. Um, <laughs> that's, that's not the forethought for them, but they were okay with it. And um, so I really celebrate that. I am grateful to be a part of a religiously diverse district that um, can be devoted to their faiths and callings and still be cool with being represented by an out LGBTQ person. That's amazing. I'm curious to know because social media is such a a big part of of, of everything and and no doubt, you know, part of your campaign. Um, And I've seen such, you know, the, the, the dark underbelly of it. I'm wondering how, you know, positively or negatively social media in general has played you know, into your campaign and, and, you know, especially being black, being LGBTQ, you know, I can only manage, um, imagine the, the venom you must experience on a, a daily basis. Do you pay attention to a lot of that or, you know? Yeah, I had to stop paying attention. Um, I, mm. I learned the hard way early on to not read comments. Um, um, the first article right. ever you know, the first article ever written about me and running for office was just about a year ago. And the headline was, you know, lesbian priest seeks to become first LGBTQ state Senator. Um, And which is a great headline, but you know, the comments that came from that were, were hurtful. I mean, venom, I think is a really, is a really good word. They were poisonous and they were poisonous to my soul and to my psyche. And Mm -hmm. it took like, real, real internal work to come up from that and to, to say, like, these these people, like, that's their opinion, but it doesn't, it's not true, right? It's not who I am. Like, who I am is um, both, yes, I am a valid, ordained clergy person, and I am a lesbian, and I ain't going to hell. Like, all, all <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love you know, that. so I had to kind of tell myself that in response to the venom. Um, and I, I want to shout out my campaign team for really being great about monitoring our social media. Um, I know that they've hidden comments on social media so that I wouldn't have to see them. And I, mm-hmm. I, I appreciate that kind of barrier of protection um, because sure. it is, it is hard, you know. Right. And thankfully you have the fortitude to, to just, brush that off and, and stay focused and, you know, remind yourself who you are and just, just ignore all that. Yeah. But it's not easy, right? Like it's, it's, no, it's, gosh, it's no. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm not, we'll I'm not even running for anything and I can't deal with it. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just do a little radio show and I turn off my comments all the time. So I'm right with you on that. Uh, talk about we talked about your faith and everything and, and your ordination. I love one of the comments from one of your um, endorsements. Uh, Mayor Hammett from Pine Lake said, "You're a woman of faith, but not a woman of religion." What does that mean to you? Hmm. I think that's such a cool statement to say in uh, in general. Yeah, um, I, I think I think she was speaking to. Um, I, I'm not going to proselytize you. I, um, and, I, and I think that she's really, if I, were using, if I were making that quote, I think I would say I'm a deeply spiritual person, um, but not particularly religious, although I am a part of, I'm a clear member of a very religious community. Right. <laughs> um, right. But I am, I'm, I'm in an inter- interfaith marriage. My, my wife is Muslim. Um, we have an incredibly religiously diverse, uh, spiritually diverse community of friends. And, and so um, I think particularly in the South, people get nervous and afraid of Christians, especially as being like people who are going to proselytize and people who are going to actually, you know, really wield the Bible in ways that are actually very problematic. Um, people get really anxious about that and rightfully so. And I think, so she, she was trying to make that distinction and say like, that's not the kind of evangelical right wing you know, Christian that we are used to kind of seeing in the newspaper or on TV, she is not that. Instead, she is rooted right. and grounded in a deep sense of faith and spirituality. Um, and I think that's what she was speaking to, and, and, and that certainly is true about who I am. Well, I'm, I'm curious about what, what uh, your belief in, in what faith uh, in terms of of govern in the govern in governance, okay. Uh, forgive me from using a quote by Kanye West, but he said to Forbes, uh, "I quote: uh, Trump was the closest president we've had in years to allowing God to still be part of the conversation." So, how much do you think God should be part of the conversation in in government? Yeah, so I I deeply hold to the virtue of the separation between church and state. I think that those are really important. Um, like maintaining that separation is really, really important. Um, and I would say that, you know, the separation between synagogue and state, between mosque and state, right, um, and church, yeah. um, religious house of worship. And um, here's, here's what I said often on the campaign trail. The reality is that in Georgia, the state senators who stand up and introduce anti-LGBTQ bills, the bill that they introduced that would prevent me and my wife from being able to adopt children, that the rationale behind that, um, the way that they are coming to that move, that place is 
through their lens of Christianity. And so what I get to do is have a conversation with those men, they're men. I get to have a conversation with those men, not on the floor, not in the well, right, but I get to have a conversation with them over lunch or, you know, in their offices about, like, let's talk about this. I'm theologically trained, too. I'm also a Christian. So, like, let's let's talk about what our God that we shade, that we have in common, has to say about this. Um, I think that's why it's really important to have theologically trained people who are in places of power because Kanye is wrong. God has been Mm -hmm. wielded and used as a weapon and weaponized in our government since its founding, quite frankly. Um, And so I come prepared to have those conversations offline um, so that hopefully the conversations that happen on the floor and in the well are, um, are better quite frankly, you know. Uh, I agree with that so much. Wonderful. That is so well said. Very, very Thank cool. You. Let's get down some brass tacks of Georgia here. Uh, the 41 <laughs> district, you have uh, two counties, I believe, DeKalb and Gwinnett. You have uh, Avondale Estates, a portion of that, Clarkston, Lilburn, Pine Lake, Stone Mountain, a portion of Tucker. One of the things we hear on national news is the restriction of the polling places that happened in the primary mm. with your governor, who I won't even mention his name because he upsets me so much. How is that in your area of Georgia? Are you concerned about um, the availability of the vote come November? Yes, absolutely. So I saw in the primary there were precincts in my district, particularly in the Gwinnett um, part of the district, that did not have voting machines on Election Day. There were literally mm. no machines in the building at 7 a.m. on Election Day. Um, wow. So that is absolutely unacceptable, and I, I think that we have a really strong coalition of people that are damn clear that we're not going to let that happen again in November. Um, and so we are, we're doing that work together to address those types of issues. Um, you know, in our, DeKalb County is the larger part of my district and is a part of the metro Atlanta area. It's a majority African-American um, area. And so as has historically happened in Georgia, that's the type of, these are the types of communities where people's names mysteriously fall off the voter rolls or where plugs, like cables to plug in the voting machines mysteriously don't arrive. And so um, certainly like we have lined up a whole army of folks to serve as poll watchers and poll workers. And um, there's, a significant amount of work that's going on, not just in DeKalb County, but across Georgia to um, to protect the vote, because that fundamentally is so, so crucial to our democracy. Would you Definitely. encourage, because I, I'm reading so much about, you know, whether it's sorting machines being uh, taken from post offices or, you know, all the, all of this active uh, attack on, on the, the ability of mail-in ballots to get to where they need to get to, um, and I forgot where I was going with that. <laughs> well, I will say, I just, I will, I will just say um, we knew I'm in Georgia afraid. that the mail. <laughs> we knew in Georgia that the mail had slowed down um, before our primary in June. Um, so 
this impacts, you know, mailers, like one of a large part of running a campaign is that you send things in the mail to constituents, right? And, you know, we went from in May when I sent my first mailer, we'd send it and it would hit people's mailboxes literally the next day, if not two days later. That was happening in early May. By the time the June primary, June 9th primary came along, I had to send mailers 10 days in advance in order to ensure that they would hit people's mailboxes on time. Um, So there's been this slowdown. We've been aware of this slowdown for for a while. Yeah. I see. Here's the story. Uh, Would you encourage delivering the ballots, uh, you know, yourself rather than putting them in the mail, like taking them, you know, specifically straight to – a, a, a drop box or polling place. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. And so consequently, because of our awareness of how slow the mail is, that's, um, that's what we did in our household. Both my wife and I, we okay. voted in the runoff yesterday and we put our mail in the drop box. Like, you know, there, and there are okay. multiple drop boxes across the County. So lots of choices. Absolutely. Put them in the drop box. Don't trust the mail right there now. You go. <laughs> Wonderful. No, very well said. I like that. Um, talk about a little bit, just compare yourself to your candidate. I mean, you're going against William Freeman. He's uh, for the Republicans there. Why, why is, what's your postcard answer for why you believe you'll be better for your district than he would be? I, I mean, short answer, I represent the values of the majority of the constituents in my district. Um, mm. I care about access to the expansion of Medicaid. I will advocate and fight for increased budgets for public schools. I mean, William, he's a fiscally conservative, conservative, um, and that that is not at all representative of of who this district is um, and what constituents need and want and are committed to. So. I feel very clear about that. I feel very strongly about that, um, and I and I believe that in November that will prove to, that will bear itself out. I believe so as well. Good on you for that. Fantastic. Now, what does Trina think of all this? Was she did she come into this open eyes? You knew this at thirteen that you were going to do this. Did she know going to the relationship that she may be married to a state senator one day? Well, I don't think she didn't know about a state senator, but she did know. I told her on the second date, hey, just so you know, I plan to run for elected <laughs> office someday. I don't know if this will ever matter because I don't know where this relationship is going, but just want to give you that heads up. Um, so she <laughs> had a good five-year warning. Um, before I like it. Up. What kind of rock has she been for you through all this? She has been amazing. Um, she's She's incredibly supportive of me in this and also very wise. So it was Trina's idea for us to not use our house as the campaign office, like the central location. Uh, She said kind of early on, you need to have a place where you can get away from it all. And if our house is the, you know, headquarters, then you can't get away from it. And so we, we maintained our house as our house and I could come home and, and I had a soft place to land with her. And, um, you know, she also, this is like a, a kind of random little fun fact, but 
because I've been a priest for the last 10 years, my, my wardrobe before I ran for office consisted of black clergy shirts and black pants, <laughs> maybe a few colors. But by and large, I just had a whole bunch of black clergy shirts. Uh, and so Trina, like, went on the hunt and bought clothes for me, and we have, like, a whole campaign wardrobe, and she did all of those things so that um, there's, like, color in my life now. It's, it's been great. Awesome. You don't think about that. I love that. That is so cool. Good wifey. I like that a color? lot. <laughs> all right. Well, we don't have much time left, Kim. I want you to let my listeners know, because we have listeners all over the country what we can do to help support you. Um, you have an amazing website, so please give your website out. And what can my listeners, if they happen to be in Georgia in your district, what can we do to support you? Absolutely. So first, go to my website. It's kimforgeorgia.com. That's Kim with an I, for, F-O-R, georgia.com. Um, please, if you live in this area, the metro Atlanta area, please sign up to volunteer. We'll reach out to you all um, and respond about ways to volunteer in a very, like, physically distanced way that is safe. And no matter where you are in this country, if you have a green card or you're a citizen of this country, you can give to my campaign. And so you can do that at KimForGeorgia.com. Please, any donation of any amount is absolutely incredibly helpful. While my district, we feel pretty safe about where we are. We are running a, a collective and supporting all of the all of the house districts that are combined within my district. And so we've got a fight on our hands to make sure that we preserve the democratic um, nature of this particular area of Atlanta. So please give if you are able, um, and just check out my website. Also, you can follow me on social media. It's Kim for Georgia across all platforms. Amazing. Kim, it's been our pleasure having you on. I hope our listeners take a little second to dig into their pockets, check out the website, find a way to donate. Um, Thank you so much for representing our LGBTQ community, for representing your constituents in Georgia, and good luck to you. Oh, thank you so much, Scott and Michael. It's great to be on here. Thank you for all you're doing to help us get to the end of 100 days with smiles of joy and tears and chants. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. There you go. Stay on the line for a second for us, Kim. We're going to play out little Levi Christ three words, and those three words are vote, donate, and vote. And you'll see the last 100 days right here on the Left of Straight Radio Network. Maybe too soon to say, but it ain't like it don't show. My eyes will tell you everything you already know. I want to state the obvious, but you and I say, hey, let's take it slow. Let's take it slow. And yet it doesn't need to be heard. How I love how we're hanging on.
All righty, we are back. That was Levi Christ with three words: vote, 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 my friends. Uh, that was a nice interview. I, I hope she, I wish her well. Yeah. I thought she was pretty cool. Very, very. Absolutely. Nice. I'm gonna be contacting my family down in Georgia to uh, to support her and maybe send a few bucks her way. Nice. Well, we talked to her about that damn Governor Kemp there. That just he was horrible. That's how we won against Stacey Abrams governor because he suppressed the vote so much. And in the primary, I don't know if you remember, but Georgia had one place where they, one, I think it was one county, one of their bigger counties that were supposed to have like, they usually have 50 polling places. They went down to two. Mm-hmm. And now yeah, yeah, yeah. in Maryland, uh, it came out yesterday that Governor Larry Hogan, who I like, he's a Republican governor but he doesn't like trump which gives him bonus points for me um but he does pretty he works with a a democratic uh state senator over there in maryland and he was against this but he has gone along with their board of elections there so for maryland on the november 3rd election they're going to use 282 high schools in the entire state for voting centers on election day instead of the normal 1,900 precincts usually open. Jesus. They are cutting down to 1,600 polling places. 80% of the polls would not be available in Maryland. I, I, I just, I, I, it, 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 it hasn't stopped confounding me that this blatant stifling of the vote can, can just happen. That it could happen just right in front of our faces that, you know, polling places can be reduced and, and uh, the post office can be screwed over and right. You know, all for, I, I, I just don't understand how in, in our supposed democracy, this can just readily happen without, without any checks and balances. Because this is not what our government is about, checks and they, balances. Right. And they say that he reluctantly signed the letter to agree to it. Well, if you reluctantly sign it, that means you don't have to sign it, right? <laughs> if, the, if you need a letter signed by you and you're reluctant, don't sign the damn letter. I don't know how mm-hmm. he let this happen. Because he was very vocal about saying that he didn't want this to happen, but he let it happen. So I don't understand that, how they're going to go down. Can you imagine the lines and the cluster muck it's going to be that day uh, to, go, to lose 1,600 and Maryland's not a big state, right? I've driven through there. It no. didn't take that long to drive through there that I remember. <laughs> I don't remember too much about it. But it was pretty small. So, yeah, so that's happening. I'm not real happy about that. Um, I only have a couple minutes here. I don't really know what we have left to talk about here. Uh, oh, the the green girl yesterday you hear about where, – where is she from? She's from uh, in Georgia. I, I oh, never speaking of Georgia, we didn't that? talk to her about this. I can't believe I forgot to talk to uh, Kim about this. But Georgia had a Republican candidate win her seat yesterday that's one of those QAnon conspiracy theory girls. Oh, And it's in a heavily oh, Republican district, so she's going to win. She's going to be an actual Republican representative from the state of Georgia in the Congress. But uh, 
ahead. I was trying to tell people, on, uh, you know, friends on social, not even friends, acquaintances on social media. You know, we're sitting here all debating back and forth about Kamala, who's already, you know, who's already the candidate, while their congressional nominees who believe in, you know, deep state and Hollywood's eating babies and what have you. It's like, pick Right. Your battle. I mean, it's I didn't know what this QAnon was. I knew it was like a, a, a cultish type thing. But supposedly the QAnon claims that Trump has been secretly fighting to bring down a cabal of Satan-worshipping pedophiles <laughs> that has infiltrated all levels of the U.S. government and other elite institutions. So there's a U.S. congresswoman that's going to win her seat that believes that shit. It's like, yeah. are you kidding me? Oh, and there are people cheering God. that on. Whether they believe that oh. or not, they're cheering it on just because, you know, the, 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 this, this tribal team mentality. And my team has to win, even if I don't believe in what my team stands for. Right. Oh, my goodness. I just think it's insane Pathetic. that she won this primary yesterday. <laughs> crazy I mean, stuff. Did anybody... <laughs> it's, 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 it's crazy. I don't know what to tell well, you. I, you I, I start started... wrapping it up here. You have a special guest okay. coming on Friday, right? I do. I have my uh, my friend and and sometimes colleague Brandon Roth. He's going to be coming on and you know talking about LGBTQ issues and and you know our new uh, vice presidential nominee and you know he has a he has a cover song he just uh, he released and so we're going to hear that and yeah. He's newly engaged. I'm excited to hear his so music. That, I mean, also... I knew he was a filmmaker, but I didn't know he was a music man. So that's going to be kind of fun to talk about. Yeah, I mean, you know, a little bit of everything. We've actually we've done a couple of his films together. The last one, which went to Marietta, Georgia, uh, you know, uh, placed uh, in the top fifteen in in the in the country. So yeah, yeah right, great work, and I'm looking forward to talking to him on air. Nice. Well, we will have Michael back this Friday. Tomorrow, Brandon will be on the show. Michael, if they want to talk to you off air, where can they find you, my friend? Uh, Instagram and Twitter, uh, Michael Vega Act. So, Michael Vega underscore ACT. Very, very well. And I'm Left of Straight on social media, Twitter and Instagram. Go ahead and Give us a little holler if you want. You can call in live to the show. I forgot to give the phone numbers today because I'm a really bad host. But other than that, you can give us a call any other day. We're going to go ahead and play out to a little bit of Matt Stern from Canada one more night because one more night of this stuff and I'm going to go crazy. I don't want to have Trump there for one more night. Michael, thank you as always. We'll see you on Wednesday. Stay on the line. Bye-bye, everybody. Take care. Ciao.
What am I still doing here? I know you will soon disappear, but I still hold on to spend time with you. One more night, one more night, and my days are so much longer until you come over. I'm hot under the sheets, you know you make me. Toss and turn all night till you come closer. Feeling you inside me over and over. Still I know you are the one. I still taste you on my tongue, and I would be fortunate to lie with you. One more night. One more night. 